Amen. Thank you so much for all of your prayers and support as we serve the Lord in Niger. We are looking forward to a team coming from Family Life to visit us in Niger, West Africa. Amen? That wasn't good enough. Amen? <laughs> I'd love to have you come, Pastor Chris. And just want to thank all of you here at Family Life just for all the prayers and support. Just Pastor Chris and Karen and Pastor Jonathan and April and Dave and Sarah. Just so many of you have just been connecting with us, sending us emails, text messages, and just encouraging us while we're over in Niger. And I just want to show you where we live. Some of you might know where Niger is located. Here's a picture of the country, or the nation of Niger is right there in northwest Africa. Libya is on top of us, and then below us is Nigeria. It's a landlocked nation about three times the size of Texas and California, so it's a lot of land mass. It's pretty big. And there's about 26 different people groups, most of which are completely unreached to this day. And uh, there an another picture I want to share with you. Uh, share with you here is the next one is the Bible school students. Uh, after this one, this is Abraham's House Place Kids. Here we go. These are the 2018 basic discipleship and leadership students in our Bible school this year. I'm the director of the Bible school, and these are the students, and they are just on fire for Jesus. As most of them are brand new Christians, and one young man came from northern Nigeria. He got saved just about eight months ago, and Boko Haram was terrorizing northern uh, part of Nigeria. Probably you've heard that on the news. His family, they're all strict Muslims, but Boko Haram, just, they indiscriminately just persecute everyone, Christians, Muslims. So his family ran to Niger to seek refuge, and when they got to a place called Difa on the east part of Niger, uh, this young man, Ibrahim, he's right there in the purple shirt next to me. He's waving like this in the slide there. Well, he's, his name is Ibrahim, and his family, all Muslims, when they got to Difa, began to really seek what it meant to really be a good Muslim. And they got the Koran, they began to read it. And after a while, Ibrahim said, I was really reading the Koran to, to figure out this one question. How can I be saved? And after a few months, he met a Christian friend, praise God. His Christian friend gave him a copy of the New Testament in his language. He began to compare the Koran and the New Testament. After a while, he was reading the Gospel of John. It says, to those who believed in his name, he's given the power to become a child of God. And at that point, Abraham said, I gave my life to Jesus. I realized he's the one that knows uh, how I can be saved. He's the one that loves me. He died on the cross for me. He's the way, the truth, and the life. As soon as he got saved, he's a first-generation Christian. He experienced persecution. He was kicked out of his home. He went to live with his pastor in the village. His pastor knew of our Bible school, and he sent him almost immediately. Within a couple months of him getting saved, he sent him to our Bible school. And he was filled with the Spirit. Uh, he's reading the New Testament, the Old Testament. He's just devouring the Bible. He's growing. He's actually at the top of his class right now. And he and the rest of the discipleship students are doing really well. They're just really on fire for Jesus. Hallelujah. It's neat what God's doing. And then the other part of this group is from a new unreached people group. They're called the Fulani. How about everyone say that with me? Fulani. Good job. The Fulani people are located up north. They're nomadic. And God is opening up a door right now. It's amazing. There's like revival happening with the Fulani people. 
We minister mostly with the Hausa people. We know the language of Hausa, but the Fulani speak Fulfuldi. They're up north. They travel all over West Africa, and they're very hard to reach because of that. They're nomadic. They travel all around. But recently, we had a whole group of them where they live invite a pastor, one of our pastors, to come up. And when the pastor was sent up, he found a whole village just hungry for God's word. They came to his door in the morning. He said that for the last, like, three months, the whole village in the morning, there's like 70 to 100 people show up at his door in the morning before they go out to work. And they read the Bible. Of course, most of them are illiterate, so he reads the Bible to them, the pastor does. And then he prays with them. They go out and do their work, and then they come back. And before they go to sleep, they come back to the pastor's house. They read the Bible, and they pray with him. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so we have five new uh, Christians in our Bible school this year. We're praying for leadership material. One of them has strong leadership giftings. We want to put him back through a leadership program with some of our other leadership students another couple years from now so that he could become the first ever pastor in his people group. And they currently need three more pastors. Pray for more laborers in Niger. We need more leadership material, more leadership pastors to be raised up because uh, those villages are asking us, we need a pastor. They want to hear about Jesus. They want to know what it is to be a disciple where it is to be a Christian, and they need to have a pastor come and live with them and share with them. So we have five new pastors in our uh, program this year that will be uh, graduating in December. But pray for the Lord to continue to raise up more laborers for Niger. We need to see more laborers raised up to be sent out to these hungry villages. But it's awesome to see what the Lord's doing. Let's open up to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want to share with you Something the Lord's put on our heart about being, or I should say, we are more than conquerors, being an overcomer. It's something the Lord's been kind of doing in our family the last couple of years. I have a few things I want to share, some personal testimonies. This is something the Lord's been doing in our life as a family, just really helping to impact our identity of who we are in the Lord, that we are more than overcomers in every situation. So let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. But before we read this passage, I want to pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the worship this morning. We thank you that you are here, that you're in our midst. And we're here, Lord, to hear from you, that you would speak to us and change us and continue to conform us more into your image. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd be free to have your way this morning. We just welcome your presence. We thank you for what you're doing here in Warsaw at Family Life. We thank you for what you're doing in Niger. We thank you for what you're doing all around the world, that that mustard seed of faith that you've planted into our hearts is increasing. It is growing, even at times when we're not aware of it. And we just thank you that you've called us more than conquerors, more than overcomers, because you love us, because you're with us, because you're for us. So we just ask that this morning you'd encourage us to know that you're working all things together for good. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things. Does it say some things? I'm waiting for you. Does it say some things? It says all things. Now, this is, for me, one of the most powerful script, uh, verses in Scripture because we know after living in this world for a while that not everything goes according to our plans. Isn't that right? There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of disappointment, uh, failures. There's all kinds of stuff that we have in our lives, each one of us. And uh, sometimes when we were kids, we, we had these rosy eyeglasses on the whole world around us. is great. But as we get older, we realize there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. We know that original sin, things like that, opened up the door that we live in a fallen world. 
But this passage is a redemptive passage. It says that we know, it means we know, you and I, Christians, the believers, the ones that love Jesus, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together, the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) The good, the bad, and the ugly. They all work together for good to those that have surrendered their life to Christ, that have yielded themselves to his lordship. It says, to those who have been called according to his purpose. What purpose? In verse 29 it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It's to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's the purpose. The Lord is working his perfect will in our lives to perfect us, to make us more like Christ. And he's using every situation, the good, the bad, the ugly, to work it all together to conform us to the image of Jesus. Amen? About a year and a half ago, Michaela, our youngest, she was playing with a pencil. <laughs> and you know on top of a pencil there's an eraser, right? Okay, well, Michaela was playing around with a ra- with pencil and she stuck the pencil up her nose. Okay? And after a few minutes, we caught her. We said, take that out! Quick! She took it out. And guess what was no longer on top of the pencil? Yes! The eraser was stuck up Michaela's nose. So we did what everyone else in this generation does. What do you think we did? Thank you. We Googled it. And you know what? We're not the only ones. It's happened to countless hundreds of thousands of poor parents around this globe. (laughs) And it gave advice. And you know how you're supposed to always, always do what you read on Google, right? Okay, thank you. So the first thing it says is to take your child, have them sit down, and blow some flour up their nose to help them sneeze. So Danny and I, we took some flour, and we went up to Michaela, and and Danny and I started to sneeze. And Michaela just laughed. She said, look, you guys are funny. The next thing it said is to take some garlic and go up to your child and try to get that up their nose, and it could make them sneeze or cry, whatever, just to get something dislodged. So we took some garlic up, and we mashed it down, and we tried to blow it up, the scent of it. And then Danny and I start to, we're sneezing still, and now we're crying. So we're sneezing, we're crying, Michaela's just looking at us. Mom and Dad, what are you doing? (laughs) The next thing it said, if that didn't work, which Danny's a nurse, she has all the cool tech nurse gear, so she kept looking up Michaela's nose, it was like, that didn't work. (laughs) So the next thing, this is getting a little bit more advanced now, was to take your finger and to block one nostril and blow through the mouth so the object would come out. So I got the honor of that job. It's like, Lord, help me. So I pinched her nose, I blew in her mouth, and a lot of things came out, and it was not the eraser. <laughs> the Bowden family is very real, okay? If God can use us, he can use anyone. <laughs> so at this point, we're a little bit get, getting a little bit desperate. We don't have 911. There's not emergency services. There's an eraser stuck up in her nose, and we know that it could be dangerous, you know, if she inhales it into her lungs, things like that. So the last case scenario at this point for home, <laughs> do it yourself, <laughs> was to take a shot back. And we actually had the shot back. Pastor Bob, Danny's dad, on his last trip to Niger, brought Danny a shot back, and she loves it. You should see her. She's like the terror of West Africa. All the cockroaches hate my wife. She goes around that house and she's like, 
get that. And she sucks them up in that thing. Okay, back to the story. So we took the shot back. I took a pen. I took the insides out of the pen. I duct taped it to the end of the shot back. And we put it up Michaela's nose, and we turned it on. Now, Michaela lost her smile on that one. <laughs> and it was still stuck up in her nose. So we called our missionary doctor friend who does a lot of emergency things. We didn't want to bother him, but at this point, we're like, we're going to have to bother him. So we drove 30 minutes away. Missionary doctor from New Zealand, he met us. He looked up her nose. He said, it's there, and I think I can get it out. And he tried for almost two hours unsuccessfully. He couldn't get out of her nose. He said, I might have to schedule you for a surgery for tomorrow morning, three hours away. There's a missionary hospital, which we know. It's the only one in Niger. <laughs> and he said, if you get there by a certain time, I'll have a surgeon there. Make sure Michaela doesn't eat or drink in the morning because she might have to go under, do a surgery through her nose to get that thing out. And Danny and I, of course, were like, what? What happened? This is just an eraser. <laughs> a surgery? So we got up at 4 in the morning. We hit the road. We drove all the way there. And when we got there, a doctor met us. And he was like, I don't think we'll have to do a surgery yet. Let's try something else. So he took a catheter. He took a catheter. And you put it up Michaela's nose until it went into her mouth. You could see it wiggling around. They pumped up air until it was a big ball of air. And then he took it back out through the nose canal. He dragged it back out. And the first time it didn't work, so he pumped it, out even, he pumped it up even more. That's painful, isn't it? And then he, he pulled out, and that time it worked, and the eraser came out. Praise God. <laughs> God works all things together for good. I think he was developing some more patience and working on a character in that instance. But what we have felt the Lord put on our heart the last couple of years is that our lives are like a tapestry. And on planet Earth, sometimes we feel like we see the back of the tapestry. It's like all these knots sometimes. All these different instances of uh, brokenness. And there's good times, bad times, ugly times. And we kind of see the back of the tapestry. And for those of you who have turned the tapestry around, you, see, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, this mess of yarn and knots. And, but in heaven, Father God, he looks at that beautiful tapestry, the finished product, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. He's using all those knots, all those different things in our lives. Someday we're going to see it. Amen? Someday when we get to heaven, Father God is going to say, hey, sit down. I have something to show you. And what we thought was a mess, he's going to just take this beautiful picture and just say, look how, what I did with your life. I use all things together for good, the good, the bad, the ugly. So there's a story I want to share with you um, with a young couple, Saminu and Haria. Uh, we have a few pictures we want to share with you. Uh, they just got married a few months ago, right before we came back to the States. And they asked me to do the wedding. It was a great honor since I'm the director of the Bible school, and they had kind of met. They both went to the Bible school, and it was an honor to do their wedding. But they have a cool story because Haria, the young lady here, Grew up in a Muslim family, like most people in Niger. And sh when she heard the gospel, she was the first one to receive Christ. And we, when she received Christ, she began going to a church, a village church. And after a while, her father had an opportunity, Muslim father again, to marry her off to an older man. Now in Niger, because of the Islamic culture, uh, you can marry up to four ladies, and they can be at any age. So it's very normal, and this is not normal, let me tell you, for Christian culture. In Niger, but it's normal in the culture outside the church. Um, so what's normal in the culture outside of the church in Niger is for an older man, like 50, 60 years old, to marry up to four 
uh, women, and usually one of them can only be, might only be 12, 13 years old. It's really awful. So Haria was in that situation. She was 14 years old. Her father was approached by an older man who wanted to marry her. He had the money for her. And in that culture, in Niger, her father, if he receives the money, it's done. It has nothing to do with the young lady if she wants to be in that kind of a marriage or not. And obviously, she was horrified when she first heard about this. She ran to the pastor. She said, what can I do? He, my father wants to marry me off to an older Muslim man. He already has a few other wives. Uh, I have to do it. What am I going to do? And he said, well, we'll talk to the leadership. So leadership, we all got together, talked about it, prayed about it. And there's a law in Niger, praise God, that if a young lady goes to school, she can say no to a marriage proposal until the school is over with. So she decided to come to the Bible school. <laughs> And she, the first year she couldn't, she was still too young, but we put her to work doing some other things, some other schooling. And then the next year after that, she went to the Bible school. And while she went to the Bible school, she met this young man named Saminu, who has a call of God in his life. He wants to be a pastor. He fell in love with Haria. They began to talk, and then he got the money. He went to her father and presented the money for her dowry. Her father accepted it. Praise God. And then they came and asked us, us if we would do the marriage for them. And it was just such a time of celebration. There's another picture after this. I just want to show as well. A picture of, yep, okay. And then the, there we go. So this is the wedding ceremony. And it was just filled with, a, it was probably an area twice the size of this church building, packed with Muslims. It was the first Christian wedding they'd ever experienced. It was my first wedding I'd ever done in my second language. So I was very nervous, but praise God he helped us. <laughs> and um, so they're doing well. They love the Lord. They're in the local church, and he has a calling to be a pastor. So praise God for how he restored that situation. God works all things together for good. Uh, in verse 31 of Romans chapter 8, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? In the house of language, the New Testament the word for for in this passage is translated as goyo. I want everyone to say that with me. Goyo. You know how so now. Goyo. And goyo means to support or to encourage or to protect. And the picture, what they actually in the society around us in Niger, is to goyo a baby. And there's a few pictures here I want to share with you uh, about Danny how she did that. There we go. There's Michaela on Danny's back. Danny's had the privilege of backing all of our children in Niger. And uh, you just take a, a nice wrap, and you put the baby on your back, and the baby usually falls right asleep. It just feels safe on the mother's back. And Danny's done that to Isaiah, Anna, Grace, and Michaela. And that's the word for goyo, is to actually put the baby on the mother's back and to wrap it up safely. So let's look at the next picture we have here. This is Anna. She's wrapping her friend Kezia, baby Kezia. And then there's another picture as well. Here's Michaela. We don't trust her yet with a real live baby, <laughs> but she's practicing. <laughs> now, this scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It says literally, if God is goyoing us, that means God is supporting us. He has us on his back. Now, it's interesting to note that babies have a choice, that a baby has to choose to want to be on the mother's back. If they resist and have a temper tantrum, the mother just takes them out and puts them on the ground until they calm down. Then she puts them back on their, on their back. So you'll see that in the culture in Africa. But the babies that submit, 
and yield to the mother and get wrapped up on her back, they almost immediately fall asleep. I mean, Danny would do that when we were back in the States visiting. She'd put our kids when they were babies on her back, and they would fall asleep just like that because they felt safe. I want to tell you this morning that you and I, we're on Father God's back. He's backing us, amen? He's backing us through this life. We're held securely. That's our identity, just like Pastor Chris said earlier. Our our identity is beloved sons and daughters of a God most high. He's our Father. He loves us. Jesus died on the cross for us, that we could be saved, that we could know him, that we're a new creation, children of God. And he has us on his back, and we're just walking through life on Daddy God's back. Isn't that a neat picture? We're just on the back of our Father, Heavenly Father. He's taking us through this life, through the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, the ugly, we're being held securely by our Heavenly Father. He loves us. He's for us. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're going through a season of some difficulty, not understanding why certain situations are happening, maybe even asking, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Why is this going on? Why, what, what's the meaning of this? I want to encourage you, don't forget where you are. Remember that you're on the back of Father God. And as we go through this life, he's making all things work together for good. He's making the good, the bad, the ugly work together for good. That tapestry, that beautiful tapestry is going to be made up of every nation, tribe, and tongue. It's going to be made up of every little instance and circumstance of our life that we surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord's great redemptive power and his great mercy and love, he turned it around. He changed it to do something, a final touch on that picture that someday when we see that beautiful tapestry, We'll say, wow, look what you did, Father. Thank you so much. Some of, I believe that some of us think that maybe even we've been failures. We haven't fulfilled God's calling on our life, or we haven't, we blew it. But I know that for a fact, if we surrender those things to the Lord, he'll take those things, and he'll actually put them in that tapestry, and someday we'll see it. It's like the painting that has uh, the black parts and then the lighter parts, like the white. And the black accents the white, and the white accents the black. So some of the hardest times of our life, of grief, of sorrow, of pain, if we surrender it to the Lord, actually, they accent that beautiful picture that God will show us someday, and it accomplishes his will that in no other way it could have been accomplished but through that situation. Are you hearing me? God works all things together for good, for you and I that love Christ, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. All things. Now, last year... In Niger, there was a friend of mine, a really good friend, Pastor Edie. He was in a severe motorcycle accident. Uh, He collided with another motorcycle. Uh, He landed on the ground in the sand. His motorcycle came up and hit him on the back of the head. His head swelled up to about probably 10 times normal size. In America, I'm sure they would have let some of the blood out for the pressure, but they don't have that over in Niger. They don't have the capability. So they just put him in a room, in the hospital room, with an IV drip and said, we don't think he'll make it till morning. Uh, so I got a call, Pastor Edie has seven kids, I got a call one evening to run to the hospital where my friend was. I got there, I couldn't find him because I didn't recognize him. His, he was so changed, his whole face was just different, completely smushed and just t- heartbreaking. I saw him and it just, I was like, that's not him. And my pastor friend who brought me to the hospital said, yes it is. I said, oh, God have mercy. And I remember just getting down, holding his toe, it was a, a blood, he was, he was unconscious, vomiting blood, nose, mouth, everywhere. Uh, and I was just, I held his toe, and all the pastors and Christians who were coming in uh, began to pray. We just prayed for God's mercy to preserve his life. 
The doctors, Muslim doctors, were saying it's a good chance he won't make it next few hours. So as the word began to go out, you know, more Christians came to the hospital because in Niger, it's high heat, up to 120 degrees. They don't have a morgue where you can keep a body, preserve it. So if someone dies, you have to bury them within 12 hours. So if it happens at night, first thing in the morning, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. So all the Christians began to hear that this pastor had been in an accident. Um, we have a picture up here as well I want to share with you. This is a picture of him. Okay, that's Pastor Edie. And uh, all the Christians began to hear about Pastor Edie, and they began to come. And it wasn't just to pray for him, it was also to get ready for a funeral, because that happens a lot in Niger. In a third world country, there's a lot of funerals. So um, we began to just pray and pray, and the Christians prayed all night in the hospital. Uh, there weren't any medical type stuff, but the Christians were praying for him. And in the morning, I got a phone call. I said, Pastor Jonathan, you have to come, you have to come. And I said, oh, no. You know, in my spirit, I'm like, oh, no. And I was like, I'm waiting for them to ask us to get our shovels and meet them at the graveyard and start digging a hole or something like that because we do that a lot. And, and um, I was like, oh. I was like, no, you have to come. And so I went to the hospital, and I got there, and I went to the room, and there was Pastor Edie. He's sitting up on his bed like this, smiling. And he's coherent. He's not in a coma. And he's talking. He's able to listen and hear. On top of that, he got up in front of me and began to walk. The doctor at the same time came in and said, he's doing so well, we don't have to keep him in the hospital anymore. He can go home. And the Muslim doctors are saying, it's a miracle. You know, it's amazing. And the, my pastor friends who were there were saying, it's not a surprise. This is who we serve. They began to preach the gospel right there in that room. It was a powerful time for those people to hear the gospel. And I remember driving him back to his hut out in the village and putting him down on, on, a, on a mat. And all the people in the village came to give him condolences. That's what they do in Africa if something happens like that. But instead of having, like, poor me, this happened to me, Pastor Edie, instead of having that kind of a spirit, he began to preach Jesus. And he preached Jesus morning and night. And two days later, it was Sunday, and I thought maybe he would still be tired and might need some help preaching. So myself and another good friend of ours went to his church. When we got close to the church, we heard the church just, the drums going. Boom, 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 boom. And Pastor Edie's jumping up front like this. He's worshiping the Lord. And <laughs> we went into the church, and after the worship was over, Pastor Edie preached. And he was basically one big testimony of how God preserved his life and how everyone needs to believe in Jesus. And it was powerful. And it's been a great, powerful testimony in, in those villages around that area. Amen? God works amazing things in our lives. There's Pastor Edie right there just giving thanks to the Lord for his miracle. It says that Christ is at the right hand of God who's making intercession for us in verse 34. It says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? It says, yet in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want all of us to say that together. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God is for us. We surrender to him. He puts us on his back and he just takes us. He covers us as we go through this life. He protects us in the ups and the downs, the good times and the bad times. He loves us. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. I have to share a story with you that's a little bit difficult because it's a harder time, a harder experience. The day before Easter Sunday this year, uh, there's a pastor friend of mine, one of my really good friends in Niger. Uh, he has a son named Timothy. He's four, year, uh, four years old. And I'd see him every day going to the Bible school. I went to the classroom. He'd run out uh, underneath the classroom is where his father lives with his family. He'd run out and grab my legs and give me a big hug and hold me. And 
he just loved Jesus. Every time he went to the church, he'd be up front dancing and singing. He just loved the Lord. And anyway, little Timothy got, uh, he got really sick a couple days before Easter this year. And he had been experiencing some sickness off and on throughout his young life. And when he got sick, we thought it was just one of those times when he'd get sick for a few days and come out of it. So I remember going to the hospital. I visited him. We prayed with him. And uh, some other Christians were there. We prayed for little Timothy. And, and uh, then the next morning, I got the phone call that little Timothy was with Jesus. He was with the Lord. And that really impacted uh, us because you know, we, we want to believe for the miracles. Amen? The Bible says we know that all things work together for good. The Lord's teaching us he works all things together for good. He uses everything. Like Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith chapter, we have the great, like, Samson and Abraham and all these others, and there comes to the end where it says the martyrs, the ones who were beheaded, the ones that were persecuted. They're all classified as heroes of the faith. But I know that for myself, I'd rather read the first part. Like, yeah, I'm into that, right? Well, God works all things together for good if we surrender to him. And I want to just share with you what happened. Um, after little Timothy passed, I, I spent the day with my arm around his father, Pastor Yahia. He was just crying with him and sharing with him, just encouraging him. And um, a few days later, he began, he t- gave a testimony in church. And he said that um, they just had, you know, great loss. But that they had a picture, the Lord gave him a picture of little Timothy dancing with Jesus. Not any pain in the arms of Jesus in heaven, just dancing with Jesus and just full of joy. And he was just sharing that. And at his funeral that day, uh, after he passed away, one of the pastors who did the funeral service, he said, little Timothy right now is with Jesus. He's with the Lord. He's safe. He ran his race. The Lord called him home. He's in a better place. But what are you going to do with the time that you have left? Have you surrendered your life to the Lord? Have you really given the time that he's given to you on this earth? And he used it as a challenge to say, for all of us, he looked at all of us and he said, have you really chosen to live your life for Christ? Have you surrendered it all to him? And it was a really a time to rededicate our lives to Jesus. It was all Christians who were there at the funeral service. And we had that picture of little Timothy running around with the Lord and just smiling and laughing, but also the question being directed back at us. We have time left. The Lord has time. We're here for a purpose, for a reason. What are we going to do with it? It says in verse 37 here, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to take a moment and pray. The Lord is using every situation in our life, the good times, the bad times, the hard times. He uses our successes. He uses our failures. If we surrender to him, the Lord does not bless sin. If we repent, he cleanses us. If we fail, if we surrender it to him, he can turn that failing into a testimony. He can redeem it. The cross is strong enough not only to cleanse our sin, but to redeem us from all of our weaknesses, our failures, the things that we can't do in and of ourselves. if we surrender our lives to Jesus. And this morning, I just want to ask you as you're here, have you surrendered your life to Christ? I mean really surrendered. I know that we're here because we love Jesus. But have you surrendered the good and the bad times to him? I just feel in my spirit that there's some of us going through some really dark, or I should say deep waters, deep waters of some situations that we don't understand. It doesn't fit. 
what the Lord's been speaking to us in the past and what we believed our life would turn out to be like. And it just doesn't fit with what we thought we would do in our lives. So we, what we thought God was going to do. If anything, it's the opposite situation and circumstance. And it might be a loved one going through a difficult time. It might be a, the passing of a friend or someone that loves the Lord who's now with Jesus. It might be something like that. But I just want to encourage you this morning to rededicate our hearts to the Lord. We're here for a purpose. In 2018, the Lord has called us to be alive at this time, at this place. He wants us to engage right where we're at for his glory. And if we surrender to him, if we yield to him, he's going to use every situation in our life, the good, the bad, and ugly, to glorify his name and to conform us more to the image of Christ. So this morning, I just want to uh, just spend a couple minutes right now in prayer. And if you're here and you're going through a, a season of some deep waters, some situations that you don't understand, I just want to encourage you right now to just surrender those things to the Lord. We don't have to understand them to surrender them. Let's just surrender those things to the Lord. And as we surrender to him, we allow the cross and the redemptive power of Christ to make all things work for the good, for the Lord's ultimate sovereign plan. That We may not understand why we're here on planet Earth, but someday when we look back, when we're with our Father God, he's going to say, look what I did, daughter. Look what I did, son. Look how I made this. Look what I did with this tapestry of your life. Look how I just made it. And everything that you surrendered to me, I made it into this beautiful picture. Lord Jesus, I just pray for those who are here this morning that are going through some deep waters in their life. Maybe a time of grieving. Just like with Timothy, we spent days crying with his family and, and just... Um, surrendering him to you. But then all of a sudden we saw you just do something and that whole event, it just triggered a, a, a realization that we're living for eternity and we, we have a short time on this earth and we want to make it count. And I just ask that for this morning at Family Life that you'd help us to realize that our time on this earth is just a, a short drop in light of eternity and that you want us to surrender it all to you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that you can make it into your perfect plan into this beautiful tapestry that we'll see one day when we're with you. And you use the ups and the downs, the success, our successes, our failures, our weaknesses, our strengths. You use the good times, the bad times, the painful, grieving times. You use all those things together for good, to make us more like Christ and to accomplish your perfect will. You don't cause those things to happen, Father, but if we surrender them to, to you, you use them to glorify your name and to release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I pray this morning, Lord, that those who are here that might be going through a hard time, that you'd bless them, that you'd encourage them, that they would hear clearly from Scripture, that they're on your, your back. You're backing them. You're for them. You're encouraging them. They're in a safe place. The enemy can't touch them. They're in a place where you have them wrapped securely in your love. And I ask that you'd encourage them, Lord Jesus, to realize that as they surrender to you that you will use these things for good, to glorify your name, and that someday in heaven, we'll see the final picture and we'll look back and say, wow, you're a good, good father. You used the deepest, darkest times of my life once I surrendered it to you for some of the biggest, amazing testimonies on this picture that you wrote of my life. Lord, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your presence. We d I just ask Lord, that you would just comfort and encourage your people this morning for, for those who are going through some harder times, that you would just encourage them, that you'd help them to know that you're with them. And not only are you with them, you're carrying them through this life, through the ups and the downs. 
And I thank you, Father, that whether it's a miracle like Pastor Edie or a time of loss like Timothy, that in every situation of our life, Lord, that we know that you work all things together for good and that you have a perfect plan and that your will is being accomplished when we surrender it all to you. And that someday we'll see the final tapestry, the good that you did, the amazing picture, the tapestry that you wrote with our lives and weaving it in with all the other people around the world from every nation, tribe, and tongue. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want Pastor Chris just to come up and close. If there's any of you that would like some prayer, my wife and I will be up front. We'd love to just pray with you, agree with you. I know sometimes we go through some things in life and we just need someone to kind of put their arm around us and to just love on us and to pray with us. And we've had many people do that to our family. We'd love to just be here for a few minutes and agree with the Lord's redemptive purpose in your lives and plans and believe him for the miracle that God wants to do in your life. In Jesus' name.